Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Thinking Aloud about film. We're looking at、uh, Hu Xiaoshen's films, and this is our seventh episode, and、uh, we are looking at a time to live and a time to die. Seems to be the time to live and the, the time, time to die. To Seems to be the、yes. actual title. <laughs> the, <laughs> not uh, <laughs> but the from 1980. Not in eighty-five. Interesting about the title. There's no relation to the original、um, Taiwanese title. It, the the original title translates directly as something like childhood memories. I've seen it called incidents of childhood past. Is is, is seems to be the.、Title. I was、uh, looking at a、uh, Jean-Michel Frodon did the introduction to the、uh, French Blu-ray of it, and he says that it translates as the story of my childhood. So. Rodin says that, of course, it's also an allusion to the Bible, yeah, the time to live and the time to die. But it's also, I suppose, in marketing terms, an allusion to the Douglas Sirk film, yeah, a time to love and a time to die. I think the time to live and the time to die is a more interesting title, but well, <laughs> I'm not sure about that actually. Certainly, the film bears it out. Both those things happen in the film. Well, yeah, well, actually, the film is structured around those things. It, they don't just happen. It's kind of they're structuring events in the narrative.、Um, but it's clearly autobiographical. The film begins with who、uh, telling you, <laughs> yeah, about、uh, his parents and his family. It's his voiceover、uh, that starts the film. So、uh, the story of my youth doesn't seem so far fetched either. Anyway,、uh, initial thought? Yeah, it's, it, I thought it was it was excellent. It, it was、um, I mean, it's second in these this old、um, coming of age trilogy as, as it's known.、Uh, it's his longest film so far. I mean, it's a real epic. It's over two hours and it, it spans you know over ten years of of story time. But again, visually very striking. Again, it's just a series of incidents that that build up over time into into something cohesive、uh, that sort of hits you later on, really.、Uh, but yeah, I thought this was great. So tell us the story. So it's the story of his youth. <laughs> <laughs>、uh, And what so is the story they, they, of his youth? <laughs> <laughs> so it's. I mean, we're we're told at the beginning. Yeah, this is. So Ho Shaoshen tells you it's based on some incidents from his childhood, and, and it's going to focus particularly on his father, which actually it, it doesn't, which is odd. So we start off: the family have moved from mainland China to Taiwan in the forties or late forties. We it starts off in the in the mid fifties.、Um, so the central character, who is based on Ho Shaoshen, is is a ten year old. He has、uh, three brothers, I think, and、uh, and a, a sister. Uh, and we, yeah, for the first hour or so of the film, it's the it's this a series of of you know childhood scrapes and arguments with his parents and playing with his friends and and you know encountering life in the village it,、uh, and so on and so on.、Um, there's also a grandmother who is、uh, senile and is obsessed with getting back to the mainland. She thinks she can walk from Taiwan back to mainland China, and she keeps trying to do that and has to keep being. Brought back, but then about an hour into the film, the the father dies. It, he's, he's had tuberculosis,、um, and it's a very traumatic scene, a very lengthy traumatic scene where he's he's died, and the the mother and the children are all reacting to that. And then suddenly we get a jump cut that takes us ten years ahead. It's not quite a jump cut because 
it doesn't jump to the same image, right? It's really like an elliptical cut where there's just a cut and all of a sudden you're seeing the same character 10 years later. <laughs> but yeah, so you're following him. He's um, he's getting involved in gangs and, 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 and petty crime. By this point, his mother's getting ill and his grandmother's getting more, more and more um, confused. Again, it's a series of incidents. Will he or will he not go to military school? Will he go to university? Will he get involved in gangs? And yeah, and it's quite a, as um, one reviewer I found said, you know, the, the film doesn't have a happy ending, but the happy ending of the film is that the film was made. <laughs> and I found it very moving because it doesn't sentimentalize. And it has this thing like, you know, so I think in American cinema, for example, you get the feeling or the films express the, the view that everything can and should be known. I that if there's something about the character, the character's life or what happened to them that you don't know, that it's a narrative fault with the film. Whereas actually this thing is like like life in a way. Yeah, in the sense that, you know, there are things about your parents you don't know, you'll never know, right? Like, you know, some things reveal themselves and change your whole view of their life, right? So there's that wonderful moment with the father you know, at the end where, you know, uh, the children had thought he was distant and so on. And actually he'd had tuberculosis, you know, and wanted to maintain his distance to not affect them. So, you know, what they saw as a barrier, you know, was actually an act of love on his part. Right. And and you get things like the, you know, the story that the mother tells the daughter about the grandmother when the se- when her second daughter was born. And you know, it turns out, you know, the, lo- the lovely dotty old grandmother was actually quite unpleasant in her younger days. And quite belligerent about the fact that the, that the mother had had two daughters and so they end up adopting a son and there's a vague implication that you know the the, the daughter you know, the, was starved the, to the, death yeah uh, and potentially poisoned by the grandmother is the implication that she's taken to a shrine by the grandmother and then dies yeah so so you and suddenly this is you know this is revealed really quite a long way into the film because i think before that you don't even know that older brother was adopted well, actually, the, you never see the older brother because the older brother remained in China. Well, no, sorry, the adopted one. No, 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 no. The, China, yeah, yeah, the, no, 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 no. The adopted one is the one who who is in the house with them. So, who is the brother where the mother says we should have brought him with us? I think that's a cousin. I don't think that's another brother. So there's the Hu Shen character, and there's the older sister, and then there's the older brother. And then there's the the very young brother and the brother who's a similar age to Hu Shaoshan. So the the older brother is is still there and he goes off to be a teacher. And then when the mother's taken ill, he's the one who's coming back a few days a week to help look after the kids. Ah, okay. So he, he is he he is around. Uh, but then you 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 understand why the grandmother is fixated on the Hu Shaoshan character rather than the old what appears to be the older brother because the older brother is adopted and she's focusing on Hu Shaoshan because he's the Blood relative. Uh, how interesting. Um, I have read reviews where they refer to the eldest, to the adopted child as being the one who was left behind. Uh, there, There is a reference at one point, they start talking about an aunt who's talking about someone who's been left behind in mainland China. And I, I, I don't think that's the same character. I think the thing is, as with um, Summer at Grandpa's, you're kind of seeing most of this from the perspective of the... Ho Shan character, so you're not you're you're sort of not actually told much about these other siblings. Again, it's very interesting because there is like a dual address. So it's mainly from from 
the child's perspective from the Hu Sha Shen. Uh, um, uh, the character who stands in for Hu Xiaosheng, yeah? uh, but also you are seeing it from the film, the film's perspective, right? And they don't always quite coincide, yeah. You are seeing things that the child can't see, and so on and so forth. So, so there's a very kind of interesting dual, you know, perspective uh, in the film uh, uh, throughout, which I find really interesting. I think it's interesting that the film is really structured around death. Yeah, so, you know, first the father dies, you know, then the mother dies, and, you know, lastly the grandmother dies. And it's those three deaths that kind of mark this childhood uh, and adolescence, right? So I think, you know, that's a really kind of interesting structuring device to the film. And then, you know, there's what's becoming a very characteristic way of telling the story, you know, that middle distance, characters always being like in the middle distance, that Japanese um, architecture that creates screens and planes and depth, right? So, you know, the, the, the film always is, seems to be shot in depth, yeah, even, uh, uh, and spaces are created in the film. Uh, the the most important things don't often happen in the foreground or the background. I mean, you know, the the father is dying, but really, kind of, he's just there in a chair, and you're seeing like everything that's going around him in the house. Uh, it's an it's a weird and original way of transmitting story information. I think. What what do you think? Absolutely, I thought that shooting was really interesting, and one one scene that. It not in the house is, is where they're they're in the snooker hall and, the, and there's a fight going on and you sort of you know the fight starts in the snooker hall then it goes outside and you just see one guy standing outside the window suddenly the Hu Shan character appears you don't see him but he kind of appears and punches the guy from so you're not seeing this fight actually happen you're, but you're, you, you you piece together what's actually going on outside I found, found that style really interesting but as, as you say this is something you know, it, it's a very it's becoming a very familiar way of working i bought the french uh blu-ray and actually it's so well worth seeing it that way because you know the images are so beautiful you have these images of the grandmother just pouring water you know and actually it's lit like a vermeer painting so the cinematographer is ping bin lee who worked on a a lot of the subsequent ho shashan film Uh, i have two quotes to throw at you and kind of uh, so one, they're both from Hu Xiaoshen, uh, and uh, they refer to his view of his filmmaking. And he says, I spent a lot of time reflecting on the language of cinema. Recently, I read a book by Italo Calvino called Six Lectures on Literature. There's one sentence where he says, what is depth in art? Depth in art is on the surface. I call this traces. The message of a film comes through the traces left by actions or emotions. Cinema has this unique potential to convey meanings beyond words. How do we see that in a, the time to live and the time to die? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that how that is relevant. Um, you, as you say, a lot of what's happening in the film, you're not you're not actually told what's happening. You're you're shown events, and you you know you sort of piece together later on what's what you're being shown so 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 for instance at the you know first first hour of the film 
there's a scene where the grandmother takes the Ho Shen character on one of her walks to to find the mainland, and it, he, he he's the one she's taking. Um, and then an hour later, you're told this story about the adopted son, and you realize, and you suddenly realize, and and her her view of daughters, and you suddenly realize why she was doing this thing an hour ago. But you're not actually told. No one at one point says, "Oh yeah, and this is why she's obsessed with with that boy rather than the other boys." But you're, you know, you you piece it together, and you suddenly realize, you know, what's what's actually going on, and possibly why they're treating the grandmother in a certain way because she's not quite what she appears. Mm. So. All right. Uh, the other quote is, um, I once met Akira Kurosawa and he said he was impressed or bewildered that in my films you often have some outside characters walking in front of the camera and obstructing the view of the main characters. This is heresy in mainstream cinema or Hollywood cinema, but it is partly the difference between East and West. For instance, in, Pe- in Peking Opera you have a completely abstract stage with no sets so that everything is expressed through the movement of actors. I mean, what do you think of that in relation to the film? Yeah, I, th- I think that, that, that is also true, because what he often is doing is he, he, keeps the, you know, he keeps the camera in the same position. Um, so, you, you know, you, the, the characters you're focusing on are somewhere within that space, and the camera isn't, isn't moving towards them. It's just st- staying in the same relative position. And so people, you know, people are going to move in front of them because what you're seeing is what happens in that space at different times during the film. Um, the, I mean, the, this is something we mentioned in um, Boys from Fun Quay that the, and as I forget, I'm, I'm saying this because I'm going to show off that I was right, right? Because in Boys from Fun Quay, yeah. um, every, every, every time they show the, the building where the boys are living the, the, in the flat, um, that you get the same shot of that space with different things happening with the characters. And it's the same in this film where there are a series of shots that are repeated of the same spaces. So the shots of the house and the shots of the village square and the shots of the the street near near the house, you get a very similar shot every time over the course of like 10 years, you know, and different things happening. Um, And I I was looking at... um, Mark Cousins' story of film book to see what he said about Ho Shao Shen, and he he doesn't talk about this film. He he talks about City of Sadness, um, but he makes the same point about that that you'll you'll get locations where every time you return to the location, it's the same camera angle. So you're always seeing the the the, the space in the same way, and the the difference is what's happening within that space. So that's why you're going to get people wandering in front of your main characters mm. because the camera isn't going to move to get out of the way of the people. Yeah. It's interesting, too, that so many of those images, so, for example, one of the recurring images in The Time to Live and The Time to Die is that big tree. Yeah, you know, that's kind of in the in the center of the square. Yeah, and also in front of his house, there's another one, right? So you get this sense that, like, time is, is, um, is changing, but some things kind of anchor and root, yeah? Um, exactly, yeah, um, yeah. What one blog I read about this, and I, I don't know if this number is correct because um, I haven't sat down and counted them. Um, but he says it's almost as if Ho Shao Shen is telling the story from seventeen fixed camera positions: town square, alley, street where they live with live with tree, several in the house at set positions, and weaving them together in these compositional vignettes. So whether there are, I mean, seventeen fixed camera positions is not a lot no. in two and a half hours. There may be, I'm, I'm sure there are more than that, but I think there are. Pro- probably there are that number of regular shots where 
so for instance when you get that 10-year cut your the, the the shot that you see you know you're in the same space that the kids were playing in 10 years ago and that and this is sort of anchoring the characters although they've all they're all now new actors but it's anchoring them in that same space space is a really interesting thing because you know these films are so much about about space yeah kind of it's a it's a it's an odd way of telling of storytelling that emphasizes space and time uh and space and time become almost like yeah his mode of storytelling so you know it's you know so these 17 fixed camera positions i mean these are the spaces right kind of where the action happened they happen at different times yeah it's a it's a it's an odd and interesting uh mo it, i mean it's the essentials of cinema in a way right yeah you know, i mean the, the other layer to that is that apparently the you know the locations were the locations where he grew up and the house is the house where he grew uh, up um so you, you know there's another layer of space and time right that he's making this film about his childhood memories but the space he's filming it in is is, is the space where these events happened yes. so well, some of those events happened to him I, we i guess we have to say we don't know how to what extent this is strictly autobiography yeah but it's an interesting meeting you know of the fictional and the biographical yeah so of like you know the historic space and memory of one's growing up and then it being reproduced as a fictional setting and it's the idea that he's filming these really quite traumatic scenes so the scene you know the scene where his father dies for instance and assuming that that's what actually happened he's filming this event that happened to him as a 10 year old with a 10 year old playing himself in like literally the same space where it happened um, you kind of think, well, therapy would probably be cheaper. <laughs> but, 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 you know, it's when you when you become aware of that aspect of it, I think it, it does add a whole other other layer to, yes. it, to it. That because the, what what I found interesting is he the character as a as a ten year old kid is a very kind of you know endearing, cute kid in the same way that ten year olds tend to be in Ho Shen films. But by the time he's a teenager, he's a bit of a dick, yeah, he's a and he, he's he's a hooligan basically. And he does some pretty bad stuff. Um, and he is, you know, very close to getting involved with some even worse stuff. You know, I mean, there's an implication that, you know, he might have been involved in a in a in a killing if, you know, he, he his friends want him to come out with his samurai sword, and he doesn't because his mother's ill. And it's kind of he, you know, but it, it, yeah, it's interesting. He's making this film that's so explicitly autobiographical. You know, he tells you at the start it's it is it's autobiographical. He's filming it in his own own childhood home in his own childhood village. But he's really not afraid of, of making himself or the character that appears to be himself a very unsympathetic mm. figure because he, he really is for the last half of the film. In the film, something, you know, so I've seen the film one and a half times. Yeah, I tried to watch it again this morning, but it is so long that I only got through the first half hour. Uh, and one of the reasons why I wanted to see it again is because in the, the first time I saw it, he falls in love with his next door neighbor and then he's he has a line where he says something like, you know, that's a note that changed my life. And I wonder, what was the note? I didn't get it. I must have missed it. So there's this girl who he doesn't really speak to, kind of follows her on his bike and, and, and cycles around her a few times. And I think the only time they actually really interact is towards the end of the film. He's planning to go to military academy. Um, and he gives her a note that presumably says, you know, can we... 
can we go can, can we go dating you're not told what the note says and she looks at it and says well let's wait until you've passed your university exams ah, and gives you the right. note back at which point he decides okay i'm not going to go to the military academy which because the military academy doesn't require exams so he says i'm not going to go to the military academy i'm going to do my university exams I get it. and you think oh this is a, all right it's going to be happy ending but what actually happens he then says on in a voiceover oh but i but i failed the exams and then she moved away <laughs> <laughs> so it's just kind of, but it but it is kind of this you know this random incident you know whether it would have changed his life the actual how Shen went to you know he went to college he then worked as apparently worked as a as a calculator salesman for for some, for some years before moving when into calculators film, were a thing <laughs> yeah exactly um, I, I did quite like that because it kind of feels like you know at the end it's going to be this happy ending where he he falls in love with the girl next door but 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 it you know it just doesn't happen but it does still change his life because he doesn't he doesn't go to military academy although of course he does still you know he would still have done military service one of the things that makes this film and uh, who cinema in general so rich is that it's always historically contextualized history always weighs on um you know people's uh, lives yeah so on, on the one hand you're being told the stories of individuals yeah but they're always contextualized through what's happening uh, around them you know um so you're told that the father went uh, to uh, what is now taiwan for work and he didn't want to stay there and then of course you know the revolution happened and then he couldn't go back home right uh and you often have like speeches by government officials kind of you know army running it uh, with horses and it's clear that all of this is referring to historical incidents that every Taiwanese would know. So two of the ones that are explicitly referenced, uh, the, the first one in, in the 50s, the second Taiwan Strait Crisis, 1958. Wikipedia describes it as a, you know, an attempt to liberate Taiwan from the Chinese Nationalist Party, as in the Kuomintang, and to probe the extent of the United States' defense of Taiwan's territory. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't, yeah, about 400 deaths on, on, on either side, apparently. I should also add that um, Wikipedia says it has been suggested that this article be checked to ensure a neutral point of view. So please bear <laughs> in mind, I wasn't necessarily giving him a neutral point of view, but I was quoting Wikipedia there. So that's the 58 thing. The later thing is the funeral of Vice President Chen Cheng, um, who was um, a, well, so he's one of the main commanders of the National Revolutionary Army, during the Chinese Civil War, then he was governor of Taiwan, then he was vice president and premier of, of the Republic of China, as in Republic of China, as in Taiwan. Um, so, yeah, and he, I think he was still in office at the at the point he died. So it, it would have been a, a very big, very big deal. But it, I guess, that, as, as you say, the, these are events that anyone Taiwanese would be watching that film and be, OK, they're immediately anchored in. You know, it'd be like in the UK watching a film where suddenly they mention the Suez Crisis. Um, one of the things that we've been garnering from interviews with Hu is the comparisons to Ozu and him saying, well, I haven't seen any Ozu until I made The Time to Live and The Time to Die. And this film made me wonder, well, did he see Ozu before he made it or during or after? Because actually the influence is now beginning to be quite noticeable now. Uh, I made a video of all of the 
I called it uh, spaces without faces because, you know, sometimes it's anticipatory space. So, you know, you get like the shot of nothing and then a character will jump in or, you know, or uh, a backpack will be thrown, right? Um, and sometimes it's like trees and so on. And then you'll eventually get the grandmother, but still not her face, yeah? So, and I included, I think, a, sh a shot of the grandmother in in it. But, but most of the rest is just like, not dead because it's very expressive, but empty, yeah? Like, I mean, you know, spaces without people. I mean, sometimes it's a train, yeah? So you do see things moving, but no people, yeah? And I, I wondered what, what, what you made of that. As you say, there is a lot of that, and a lot of showing spaces where something's about to happen or lingering on a space where something has happened or just lingering on a space where, and then showing you another space. Um, so it's, as we've said, it's, it's, yeah, it's a long film. It's two hours, two hours, 20 minutes, I think. And it's a very slow film, but it, kind of, but it works. And it works because of that. You know, you're, you're just what, lingering over these images. Yeah. Um, I found a, a commercial he, who, so Hao Shoshan's made a few commercials and there's a, I'll, I'll send you a link to his commercial for Air France, which <laughs> is similar. It doesn't show any planes. It just shows water and trees. And I mean, this is a, so narratively, it's, this use of space is very interesting because, you know, if it happens before, it's anticipatory, right? So you are looking at the environment in which something will happen, right? The shots that linger once people have left the frame are actually, I think, even more interesting from a philosophical point of view, right? Because, you know, normally people are aware of space only through their own perception. It's what you see. You're always in it, right? So what is this empty space? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, I suppose in a dumb way, it's that old philosophical question, yeah? Kind of, you know, does the force exist? <laughs> yeah, if I'm not in yeah, it, right? Yeah, uh, uh, So, um, yeah, but it, it really does kind of make you think, what is being expressed through that, right? Because, I mean, in Ozu or in Kitano, you see it as a sadness, as something that has been extinguished and the space remains empty. This is not quite what I'm getting from who. Yeah, I mean, I guess one interpretation is that you have, because he's showing you this, these spaces over the course of like 10 or 12 years in film time, um, and he shows you the same images of the spaces yes. over those 10 years, but also he's filming those spa the same spaces where these events happen like 20 years, 15 years, whatever later. So he's, he's saying these spaces persist. Yeah. Uh, and the characters move within them, but like right now, there are different characters moving within yeah. them. Yeah, it's such an. I mean, you know, the fact that it's the same spaces that he films adds a fascinating layer to this question of these empty the, spaces. The other thing is the similarity between some of those spaces between all the different films. Yeah. So, like the classroom, for instance, which was so similar to the classrooms we've seen in films from. Well, from I think Cheerful Wind mm -hmm. was the first time we saw a classroom, but they're filmed in very similar ways. Uh, snooker halls are, a, I've, I've noticed, are a frequent um, thing. So we've seen that in Cheerful Wind, Boys from Feng um, I think, we, yeah, there's a snooker hall in Summer at Grandpa's. There's a snooker hall here. Um, and and we, you know, we now realise the snooker hall is where Ho Xiao Shen spent his teenage, um, or misspent his teenage yeah. years. Um, railway stations, um, the Japanese style houses. I mean, we, we see we, we see these spaces 
again and again between the different films. And, and again, it, it sort of, you know, continues to to me to show the importance of, of some of those early films and particularly show the importance of Green Green Grass yes. when you look at the, um, you know, how, how the childhood scenes, of, you know, the first hour of this film, I mean, it's very a very different tone, but there are some huge similarities between all those classroom scenes, um, between all, all these films that have classroom yes. scenes. Um, it's a cinema that keeps getting richer and richer. He's getting better with every film, yes, I think. Yes, I think so too. Hopefully he continues to do so, we'll yes, see. Yes, I mean, I think the one thing I wanted to add is, I, I, I read in a review that it's a nostalgic look on childhood, and I want to dispute that. There is absolutely nothing nostalgic about <laughs> this film. He's not saying, oh, I, you know, what a great time I had as a child. It's kind of, you know, it's clearly a pretty traumatic childhood a pretty poor existence in terms of you know they, they they don't have much money they don't you know they there are deaths there's there's trauma they're left to you know you there could have been a whole film around i mean well there are many films about about the whole situation where um you know like the cement garden or something where kids are like left to fend for themselves mm. after the death of the, the parent because essentially the, you know, the mother's died the father's the died, died the older sister and the older brother have cleared off and so it's, he's a you know you've got basically this 16 year old near delinquent is responsible for looking after his senile grandmother and two younger sons and they try and get support from the medical authorities but don't get any and you know think awful things happen and it's like that i mean that that just that last five minutes that could have been a two-hour yes. film um but it's not nostalgic no it's not it's it's um it's clear now if you look at particularly look at green green grass um and boys, boys from feng Kui, i would describe those as a nostalgic look back at a fictional version of Ho Shao Shen's childhood and, and, and teenage years, yes. and a much more optimistic view of those, um, in a way that the, this is actually showing. No, actually, this is what really happened, and, 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 act, and in most, in a lot of respects, it was quite grim. Mm. It's a really great film. Uh, we are uh, thinking aloud about films, and we're thinking about Ho Shao Shen, uh, and we will return uh, in a few days or so with uh, Dust in the Wind. Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Jose. I'm Richard. Bye-bye. Bye.